can see the saucer all going. I, I hope it's not the message, but anyway. So before we begin the message, let's pray. Gracious and merciful Father, we do magnify your name. There is nothing like the name of Jesus. There is nothing like the name of our Lord God. There is nothing like being in his presence. He is an almighty God, a merciful God, a gracious God. And he is forever and evermore the eternal one. The one who came, the one who saw the one who conquered, the one who will come back. And Lord, as we commit our hearts into your presence, may you give us hearts to receive, eyes to see, and ears to hear. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen. amen. So today's message is seeing Jesus as King of Kings. And the key verse today is 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So I don't know about you. What does a king look like to you? Any, any answers, church? What does a king look like to you? Yeah, got a crown. Yeah. He's got a what? Scepter, yeah. Any other things? Robes. Robes, amen. Good one. No? Okay. Here are some kings you may have heard about. (laughs) Yeah? There's King David. We all know King David if we're reading our Bibles. You should know King Henry VIII. You teach him in history. Very well-known king. We know... I mean, there may be some too young to remember this man, but Elvis Presley, known as the king of rock and roll. And the younger version, the younger generation should know this one, King T'Challa, the Black Panther, Wakanda. That's the Black Panther. Never heard of him. Yeah, I'll introduce him to you later on. Two are real historic kings, one biblical, one not. We have two who did not have the authority of a real king, but are popular icons of the culture of their time. This is a quote from Elvis Presley. I'm not the king. Jesus Christ is the king. I'm just an entertainer. Amen. Amen. Wise words. Throughout mankind's history, across the world, there have been many kings, some good, some very bad. The Israelites were no different. They had many kings, the majority terrible, but there were a few good ones. Genesis 49, verses 9 to 10. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down, like a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honour. Many of the prophets in the Old Testament prophesied of one king that God would choose to bear his name. That king would bear the name King of Kings. So why is Jesus called King of Kings? The term King of Kings is used six times in the Bible. Once for God the Father, 
twice for Jesus, the son of God, and the remaining three times for the Persian and Babylonian kings. Daniel 2, verse 37. You, O king, are king of the earthly kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, was called this, but even he was humbled by our God and shown there is a higher authority than his. The Bible shows God's best Old Testament king was King David, a great man who had a heart for God. David originated as a shepherd, the youngest in his family, humble and faithful to those he served. David was no Arnold Schwarzenegger in form when God called him, but his heart was bigger and more willing to serve God than any other king Israel would ever have. David was not perfect. That king was yet to come. Daniel 7, verse 13 to 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus is the messianic king foretold by the Old Testament prophets, a descendant of Abraham and David, the ultimate king raised up by God and is God himself. His birth began the fulfillment of many of God's promises to Abraham and to God's people. The promise of hope, peace, joy, and that God would gather a people to himself and send a king who would reign forever and God's pleasure and authority would be with him. This king was humble in his birth, born in a manger, but heralded by angels. He was not born of a great king or a great queen, but a humble Israelite girl who willingly, whose willing faith ensured our saviour was born. God uses people from all walks of life for his great purposes. No one is beneath him to receive his great love or to share in his kingdom and the great inheritance his coming has brought to the world. Philippians 2 verses 5 to 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus came down from his heavenly position to become one of us. How many kings have left their riches and privileges, let alone come to give their life for the people they love? Let's stop there. I showed you four kings at the beginning. David, the best biblical king that we know about, did well, but fell quite badly. King Henry VIII, anyone that knows British history said he's not a good king. Um, He's famous because he was such a bad king. It's not a good testimony to a human king, is it? And then look at the culture. The culture makes people kings. King of pop, king of rock and roll, king of R&B. But are they truly kings? And I know I've put up there... King T'Challa, the Black Panther, you know, an icon for black people at the moment. But still, not truly a king. Here's a quote from the Lion King of all Felices. While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. 
Amen? Jesus was a king of selflessness in a selfish world. His reign on earth was also humble, seeking no glory for himself, but just wanting to please his heavenly Father. He showed grace and mercy to friend and foe alike, even to those who murdered him. Jesus became a servant king, serving his people greater than any king before him or after him. He is a man of the people, never afraid to get his hands dirty or shy away from any fight for them. I don't know about you guys, I've been watching The Chosen. Anyone know what The Chosen is? It's a program online, I do recommend it. And they really make Jesus down to earth. He's always there. There was one uh, thing I watched where his disciples, they were pulling a cart, and his, he was at the back and he was talking to his disciples and he said, oh, it's my turn to go and pull the cart. And his disciples said, no, you can't do that. You're, you're the teacher. You can't pull it. And he said, no, it's my turn. I'm going to do it. And that's the way Jesus was. He still is that. He's still working hard for us, harder than we ever think that we could ever work for him. He is the king who has brought his people close to him. Again, that's a crucial thing we've got to know about this king. I don't need to make an appointment to see him. I don't need to talk to his PA to see him. I don't have to wait for months or even years to get a a sword put on my shoulders to see that person. This king is always close to me. He reigns in heaven but he's closer to us than our own skin. The veil that separated the people from the presence of God has been destroyed at the cross, allowing his people to enter into the full, glorious, holy presence of God. The Old Testament shows the great sin and rebellion mankind has done and continues to do to God, and the absolute need for mankind to be saved from itself. The New Testament shows us God himself came as a man to not only dwell among us, to show us the only way to salvation, but also to die for us, that we may have eternal life in him and with him. Praise God. John 12, verses 12 to 13. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. So this is Jesus on the approach to Jerusalem. And he has been, I mean, he's been doing ministry for three years now. And he's famed throughout the land. He's put fear in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and every, all the people of that time who were supposed to be the religious ones. And he, he's, he's stirring up the people, not on purpose. He's not a rebel. He's, a, he's just the man who has compassion for the people who loves his people, who does not like seeing what his people are going through and what his people are being, what they're enduring. So he's on that approach. But just remember, he's on his way to die. He's quite clear on that approach. And he's telling his disciples as well, I'm going to die here. But he's still upbeat. And he doesn't let them stop rejoicing. Isn't that really good? I know that if I was facing the gallows, I would not be rejoicing. I would be depressed. I'm counting the days thinking, this is it. I've only got 14 days. I've got 12 days. Literally, that was like what Jesus was coming up against. 
it was a ticking clock. He knew once Jerusalem was coming, that was it. But he's still, because his people are rejoicing that he's there, he's not going to take that from them. The people held him as their king, and they have, even the king of Israel, as he entered Jerusalem. However, it wouldn't be long before they deny him through their jealousies and vindictiveness of their religious leaders, who would then offer him up to death, not knowing that this was always God's plan for our salvation and freedom. Pilate mockingly called him the king of the Jews when he questioned him. The Roman soldiers mocked him using this title, and his people rejected him from this title. But Jesus was and is so much more than that. The nation of Israel was expecting the prophesied new king would be an all-conquering king like David. However, Jesus came as the suffering king to give his life for our salvation. But by his death and resurrection, Jesus proved he is the king of kings and lord of lords. One day the whole of creation will bow before him. Micah 5 verses 2 and 4. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Jesus is the king who fulfills every promise he makes and that is said about him. One of the titles Jesus calls himself is the good shepherd. A shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. Today our king of kings can be your great shepherd if you give your heart to him. So why should you make Jesus your king? The king of kings is for you. Amen. Amen. The king of kings is for you. Go back to the first four, yeah? King David, he's dead. That's, that's fact. He's dead. He can't help you now. King Henry VIII wasn't going to help you. He was going to hang you. You're done. Elvis Presley, again, only, pop, only rock and roll respects his, his contribution. King Chachala, all right? It's a film. He's not real. Yeah? Jesus is. He's realer than you ever know. Especially when you experience him. Especially once you make him king. There's nothing like him. This king. Not a king. The king of kings is for you. You should be rejoicing. Amen. You should be rejoicing. Because that's what I'm trying to show to you. He is the ultimate. There's no one better than him. No one stronger than him. No more quicker than him. He is the king of kings. And he is for you. He's always been for you. In thick and thin. And he never leaves you nor forsakes you. He is the king who never changes. Never fails. Never lets you down. Our words, our actions, and the world may fail us. But our king never fails us. Romans 8, verse 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honour 
at God's right hand, pleading for us. Jesus is worthy of the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords because of his completed work at the cross and his victory over sin and death through his death and resurrection. 1 Timothy 6 verse 13, from verse 13. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you now from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He alone can never die, and he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honour and power to him forever. Amen. He is the only king who reigns forever. Every other monarchy has phased out or died. He will still reign when we all leave this mortal coil. Man's kingdoms are temporal and will pass away. We cannot fathom the beauty, power, resilience, or the honor of serving in God's kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. It has outlived, outpaced, outmaneuvered every human kingdom. Why? Because the king is beautiful. Wonderful, magnificent, glorious, mighty, and eternal. He rules over everything, and he will judge all his creation, past, present, and future. He is a king whose subjects love and adore him. One. I've got so many people here. Are you not the king of king's subjects? Yes. Do you love and adore him? You need to say it more, church. Don't, don't assume because you've got the Holy Spirit in you. Is, you're saying it inside, oh, he can hear me inside. It's good to pronounce it out loud. Because how's the world going to see? Yeah, amen. When I'm in my workplace and I'm praising God, I know I can't say it out loud. But at some point, I might, God might have so much bubbling in me that I have to say, <laughs> praise Jesus in my workplace. And who's it going to hurt? Those two words, who's it going to hurt? I'm not swearing. I'm not putting that person down. But if I praise him, I say, praise Jesus. I might be surprised if someone says, you're a Christian. <laughs> yes. Might start a conversation. Who knows? They, don't, they haven't made it illegal for us to say, praise Jesus, have they? Yeah. Don't wait till that happens, church. Because the way the world is going, it may come to that where we openly can't say praise Jesus. So while you've got the opportunity to say it, say it. Don't leave, don't assume. Sorry, stop my rant now. <laughs> he is the king whose subjects love and adore him. They will not reject or deny him as the people did, but they will honour, glorify, worship and live for him. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords. There is no one like him. Revelations 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. God showed in the Old Testament that he desired to dwell in the midst of his people. Through Jesus, God not only dwells among us, but also dwells within us, transforming us into his image 
by his grace and love. John 7 verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This king gives us new hearts. Can you guys see that? Is it? Okay, so. This one. That's like stone, rock. That's our hearts, all of our hearts. There's no one whose hearts didn't start like that. Dead and hardened, spiritually dead. I can't say physically dead because your heart is beating, you're alive. But spiritually dead and hardened. Hardened through knocks in life, hardened through your own choices. But your heart is going to be like that without Jesus. And it will stay like that. You don't want it to stay like that. You have an option. You can make Jesus king. I wanted to put a cross in there, but I've left it blank. But that's life. You can't, it's a bright color. Just want something to show that it's vibrant. It's alive. It's a heart transformed, but it's alive and full of life and love by the Holy Spirit. There is a transformation with him being your king. But he has to be king, and we have to enthrone him as king in everything in our lives. We truly become alive and overflow of his love through the Holy Spirit as he reveals God's truth in our hearts. This is a picture of Aslam. I hope you can see that. Aslam is the Lion King from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I thought that would be more effective than me going... But he is, he is a great Lion King, Aslam. But way before C.S. Lewis or anyone else had a Lion King, God had destined for us to have our own Lion King, the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, our Lord Saviour. Aslam had a great army of humans and mystical beings, if anyone's seen the books or read the, uh, read the books or seen the films. But the Lion of Judah has a great army also, an eternal one of angels and believers throughout the ages. But he needs no army to win his battles. Revelation 17, verse 14. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's you guys. Called, chosen, faithful. He is an all-conquering king, but not in the way Israel expected or any of us expected. But once you get to know what Jesus did for us, you will know and believe he is an all-conquering king now and forevermore. Amen. Revelations 19 from verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flames of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Now, just keep this in context, because this is quite strong language in Revelations. This is Jesus coming back, his final coming. The blood that they're talking about is his own, not someone else's. Yeah? He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he's called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. 
From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know about you, there's not many people that preach on Revelations. Yeah? David does. I preach a little bit. I don't... I'm afraid of the book because there's it's too much depth to it. Too much that you can misinterpret. So that's why I warned you about that blood statement. And also, look at that statement where he says, he will rule them with a rod of iron. Yeah? That's not us. That's the people who are afraid when he comes back. We don't have to fear our Lord. We don't have to fear our King of Kings. He loves us. He's sharing his kingdom with us. So those are the ones. Tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. It's talking about the people who have not accepted him as king. So be careful when you're reading those sorts of... Do the background knowledge on it. If not, you'll misquote or misinterpret what the Bible is trying to tell you in that scripture. The point I'm trying to make is he is an invincible warrior king, defeating all who come against him. And many kings go out to fight for the freedom of their people to protect their kingdom. Jesus came to bring freedom to all who would believe and follow him. Freedom from sin, death and eternal separation from God. And he's still fighting for the freedom of his children and to protect his kingdom. This king came to give us eternal and future hope of much better to come. This is not it, church. What we're living in is not the end point. Read Revelations. Read the end of it. A new heaven and a new earth. This earth is going to pass away. All the beamers, all the big houses, all going to pass away. We won't have TVs anymore. We won't have mobile phones. Think of the money you're going to save. It's all going to be new. It's all going to be good. All of it when he comes back. This king came to give us an eternal future hope. That's the future hope of what is to come. No one knows what's coming. You can have the best preacher in the world, the best prophetic person in the world. They cannot tell you what it will be like. No. Read the Bible. Not even the sun knows. So how is someone, else on, how is someone on earth going to know? So you're better than Jesus? No. False teaching. Beware of that. There's going to be many of them preaching the gospel a false gospel. You need to be strong, church. Know what you know about Jesus. His first coming was to be our saviour. When he returns again as the coming king, all will see and know that he is who he says he is, the king of kings, the Alpha and the Omega, almighty God himself. Triumphant kings return with the spoils of their conquered enemies. I don't know about you, I've been, I'm reading a lot of Old Testament because of the Bible plans. And they were quite brutal, the triumphant kings. They used to be cutting off heads, hands, feet. Some of judges is pretty bloody. But that was the time, that was the things of those times. Praise God we don't have to be doing that anymore. And I don't think Jesus is going around cutting off heads, hands and feet as far as I know. But this king... He doesn't want you to share in those sort of spoils. He wants you to show, share in the spoils of his victory because he wants those who believe in his name to believe in the promise of the eternal life that only he can give.
The king of kings has invited us to be heirs with him in his kingdom. And this is just a selection. I'm not saying this is a complete list, but his kingdom is established by God himself. Not man-made, but God himself has built it. It's everlasting. It's always going to keep going on and on. It's just and righteous. Isn't that an assuring assurance, church? Just and righteous. We're seeing in other parts of the world injustice and unrighteousness. This kingdom's going to be just and righteous. It's going to be peaceful. Praise God, I'm going to, I love to have a peaceful kingdom. It's, it's, I try to have a peaceful household, I can't guarantee it. But <laughs> peace, you don't appreciate how, how much peace is important to us. For the last two years, I don't think we've had a lot of peace, have we, church? A lot of people can say they've been at, not at peace. But the church has come through. And despite what we've faced, we've been a peaceful movement. Authoritative. There's no greater authority than his. And his kingdom, once it's completed, there won't be any naysay. There won't be any challenges. It will be done. All under his authority. It's a wise kingdom. Just remember this as well, church. His kingdom is now and to come. We live in some of it now. We're going to live in some of it, the the fullness of it, to come. So you can, if you're living in his kingdom now, be wise. Amen? Amen. We're going to need wisdom, I think, in the next two, maybe five, ten years. Many of us are going to need great wisdom in navigating what the world is going to keep chucking at us. I feel that the world is trying to squeeze us. It's a vice. And the world is in the middle of it, and it keeps getting squeezed and squeezed more and more. And it's the wise people that are going to come through it. It's a kingdom that's merciful. Do you know that you're only in the kingdom because of mercy? Only because of God's mercies. It's a merciful kingdom. And some of us may feel we are undeserving to be in the kingdom. But by God's grace, because of his mercies, we are in the kingdom. And then last but not mostly important, it's a loving kingdom. It's a kingdom filled with love. Jesus came to fulfill what his father gave him to do, to begin the kingdom. The kingdom had started from way before Abraham. The kingdom started from Adam and Eve. It continues on. But in all of it, it was always the love of God that continues it, sustains it, and that's why we're here today. How many kings do you know who are as gracious and generous? He's shared in things that never fade or lose value. Things that matter and that are important to us. He provides adoption into his royal, eternal family. You are royalty, church. You may not have prince of this, king of that, but you're royalty. Remember that. Royal priests. Jesus is king by divine appointment, not by human appointment. His kingly authority over all things, mental, physical, and spiritual. He speaks a word and it is done. It's unwise not to recognize his kingship. Jesus warned many times of the consequences of rejecting his kingship. So please think twice before doing so. To those who recognize and willingly live under his kingship, he blesses them with new life and purpose.
In doing so, we become ambassadors for his kingdom, taking his light and life into this world of sorrow and pain. Acts 2, verse 33. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honour in heaven, at God's right hand, and the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Jesus currently reigns as king at the right hand of the Father in heaven, awaiting the time he can return so the whole of creation acknowledges God's sovereign rule and puts all things under his complete authority. All other authorities and dominions will cease or be conquered on his return. Jesus, the King of Kings, is eternal and will reign forever. Conquers all his foes. He's already defeated sin and death. The last one is still to come, the enemy. He loves his kingdom and his people. And he will put all things under his authority on his return. He has given us the Holy Spirit that his kingdom and authority may reign now in us and around us. Let us invite the King of Kings into our hearts and lives that he may reign in all things now and forever. Give thanks for all he has done, is doing and will do for you. And may you bow the knee to his sovereign grace and mercy. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we lift up your name. But Lord, we are celebrating the fact that you sent your son to become the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Lord, for those of us who still need to submit our hearts to you, who still need to enthrone you in our hearts and in our minds as the King of Kings, Lord, may they call out to you now. May they receive not just the love, but the grace and mercies that only the King of Kings can give to your people. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for changing our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that once we were your enemy, once we were dead to true life, but now we have life of springs of living water bubbling in us, Lord. Lord, let your life bubble in us even more. Lord, let us bow even further so that you are seen to be the King of Kings. Let us know, Lord, your kingly authority in all that we do, in all that we say, even in all that we think. We want you to be our king. We don't want anyone else. There is no one else, Lord. We don't want a false king. We don't want a king who will die. We don't want a king who cannot do what we need. Lord, we don't call out to you because we want something from you. We call out to you because we adore you. We call out to you because... There is no one else we want to talk to. Lord, in you and only you, we want to dwell. So, Lord, have your way. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the day that you do come back as the coming king, that we are ready. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go.